Hello, waffle lovers, and welcome to another episode of Whatever Flips Your Waffle here on 365sportscast.com. I'm your host, Mark Domeyer, coming to you as always from the bunker deep in the heart of southern Minnesota. And there's plenty to talk about this week, Vikings, Twins, and we're going to talk about rehabbing sports injuries as well. I'm glad you've decided to tune in and listen to our discussions on Minnesota sports. Welcome to those of you who tune in each and every Wednesday and welcome especially to those of you checking things out for the first time. Sit back, relax, prepare yourself for another helping of waffles syrup optional. After this brief commercial break, I'll be back with my interview for the week. This week I talked to Wyatt Grosskreitz once again about a variety of topics. Stick around. There's a new newspaper in Waseca County. The Waseca County Pioneer is on the stands and is produced by the same group of people who put together the NRHEG Star Eagle each week. If you're looking for good news in Waseca, Janesville, or New Richland, the Waseca County Pioneer is the place to look. Check it out today, and if you're interested in a subscription, contact the folks at the paper at 507 507- 463-8112 or email at steagle at hickorytech.net. As an added bonus, if you tell them you heard this ad from the Waffle Flipper, you'll get a discounted price for a one-year subscription of only $40. So call 507-463-8112 or email steagle at hickorytech.net and tell them you heard about the Waseca County Pioneer on whatever flips your waffle. Returning to whatever flips your waffle on 365sportscast.com this week, we've got Wyatt Grosskreitz. Wyatt, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me on again. I'm yeah. Uh, longtime listeners will remember Wyatt admirably filled in when all of a sudden I had a guest who couldn't make it one week. And uh, I thought we'd come back and, and we'll get around to the Twins and Vikings. But I have Wyatt on for a really different reason to start with. Um, if, if you remember, listeners, some time back, Lucas Seahoff, for the first time he was on, talked about physical therapy and sports injuries. Well, Wyatt has had experience with that and is dealing with that right now. I thought we'd talk about the rehabilitation program. Um, Wyatt plays football. Uh, baseball, I tried a little bit of track, and that's going to kind of help us lead to where we're going. But uh, Wyatt, let's talk, first of all, last football season, you hurt your elbow. Explain that a little bit of what happened and, and what you had to do to deal with that. So I remember it was a, it was a first down, and Charlie had a quarterback keeper. He ran up the field, fumbled the ball, and I tried to hop on it, but I didn't quite get to it in time. I planted my elbow on the ground. A helmet came in from the back and bent it the way it's not supposed to bend, and I dislocated it. Okay. It was about 90 degrees the wrong way it's not supposed to bend. Right. And, um, yeah. They took me to the ER that night, popped it right back in, and I missed the rest of the season. It took about six weeks, six to eight weeks of therapy to finally get it back up to somewhat normal strength. Well, I remember being up in the crow's nest because it was a home game, and when we saw you come out of the game, we hadn't seen what happened. And, and knowing how passionate and tough you are out there that, well, something must be really wrong. Uh, you know, why it's not going back in and, uh, and knew something bad. What, was there any type of rehab you had to do with that, any specific exercises, or is this just kind of a, you know, we dislocate your elbow, um, a wait and uh, see? Yeah, so for about, I don't know, I can't quite remember how long it was, but 
I remember I was in a sling for a week, and then they gave me a hinge brace. And then I think, I don't know if it was while I was in the hinge brace or after it, I started a six to eight week therapy session. I'd go every week to Albert Lee, and they would give me exercises to do. It was nothing too hard. It was basic, like, getting movement back, building up strength in it, using, like, rubber bands to stretch, stuff like that. It was nothing nothing too difficult but yeah it was um it was a process because i was not able to lift weights for a while Mm -hmm. i really had to just cut back on everything and that one luckily i didn't break anything so that it didn't take anything longer to heal right it was just more i had to get back up to full strength well and i know how important the weight room is to you um you're you're pretty regular when it comes to that um and that had to be difficult too where you know, for you not to be able to play football is one thing, but also, you know, the the weightlifting and stuff is important to you too. Oh yeah, that was that was one of the more difficult things because I love going in there and being with my teammates and being able to say that I'm there with them, lifting, getting better with my team, and not and I would st- I'd still go. I just couldn't do much upper body stuff. Right, right. But it was not the same. Like you had to kind of just really watch yourself make sure you're not hurting yourself and um yeah it it hurt a little bit for a while but you know i got once i finished it i was able to get back into the weight room in the off season and get back to that normal routine of getting better with my teammates every day and how long did that you know once you were able to start doing the upper body weightlifting again how long before you felt like you were back to your pre-injury status um to be honest, it felt I don't know, maybe a month, month and a half. Okay. It, it it wasn't too long. It was it was uh, I don't know if I ever really got back to full strength of where I was at. I got pretty close. Okay. Okay. But yeah, it was about a month, month and a half. But then I got hurt and trapped. Right. So I right. Didn't really get yeah. And yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. And I know that you know the rehabbing is is so important, especially on a a joint like the elbow, and I speak from experience because I actually broke my elbow in college one time, um, slipped and fell and landed right, cracked it right through the bone, but um, I didn't rehab, and to this day I wonder if, if maybe I can kind of still tell a little bit and I don't have full range of motion, but you would have healed okay, but you would have suffered if you hadn't gone through the meticulous rehabbing that you had to. Definitely. They told me um, if I, they told me there's a chance that if I had not done it, I would have lost, like, range of motion in it. Yep. And it just overall wouldn't have been a good deal. But I'm glad I did it. That, looking back, I hated it in the moment, but looking <laughs> back, that was one of the more, it wasn't too hard to do. I mean, I got through it. Right. It teaches you a little bit of discipline, too. I mean, you yeah. you have to be disciplined every day to do what you have to do. Well, and you got to have that commitment because there like, the thing with the rehab is I've learned throughout it now that when you start, you feel good because you're doing basic beginning things and you, st- like, immediately start to see progress. But then there's points when you start to build it up and you start to just kind of stay in one spot until you start to get better. And you have to have that commitment of, even though it doesn't seem like I'm getting better, I am, and I have to be able to just put my head down and keep doing the stuff they tell me to do every day. Right, right. 
And you know, the added benefit, and maybe you haven't noticed this yet, is when you hurt a joint like that, um, you're often able to tell when the weather's going to change and uh, <laughs> kind of feel the rain's I, coming up. I'm not going to lie. There have been a couple times where the weather has changed and my elbow has been in pain. So yes. Yep. I, I, it's, it is a, it's weird, but I will, <laughs> it has happened a couple times. Well, you know, being involved in agriculture, uh, you can probably appreciate that then and, and uh, time, oh, yeah, that's that's the nice part. Yeah, time to bail the hay. The, the rain's coming, so. Uh, <laughs> so, to add injury on top of this, and, and folks, Wyatt played summer baseball for me for many years, and and uh, this year, just this past year, decided he was going to try track out um, in the throwing department and stuff, and that didn't last very long uh, because you hurt your knee. Talk about that that day a little bit, Wyatt. So I actually took track to rehab my elbow even more because football is what I is my passion. I took track to make my elbow better, but I didn't even I got days into practice and it had rained earlier that morning, but it wasn't raining and we decided to go outside that day and we were gonna practice shot put outside on the third day in track, which doesn't happen very often because Minnesota it's yeah, right. still snowy outside. Yeah, not this year. And yeah, not this year. So we um, we went out to the shot ring, and we were practicing throwing the shot put over our heads uh, backwards. And when I did it, I slipped off the ring, planted my knee wrong in the sand, and I felt a huge pop instantly, and I tore my ACL. Well, and, and you and I had talked a little bit, too. Is it possible that this was on its way partially torn at some point during football too you had some knee knee pain there i mean possibly yeah because for how easily it tore, it was non-contact for how easily it tore i feel like it would have it probably would have torn in the first couple weeks of football right and so so maybe it's a blessing that better you know so you can as you're rehabbing now to hopefully play some football this year yeah, that's that's the way I've kind of looked at it. Yeah. So this is a very different type of a process dealing with a torn ACL. Um, this is surgery. This is all kinds of rehab. Um, give us a little bit of a timeline of how that's gone for you. Well, I remember I got hurt March 16th, and I didn't get into the doctor until, I don't know, maybe the next Friday after and that's when they told me to get an MRI. So the next Monday I went in, got the MRI, found out a couple of days later that it was torn and didn't get my surgery until like April 8th. So it was a mo- almost a month after my actual injury. Yeah. And from surgery, it's about six to nine months of rehab. Usually, usually six months. Um, but it can be up to nine if it doesn't go how it's supposed to. I'm on track for six, hopefully. Okay, so um, October, possibly? Yeah, I don't, we really don't, there isn't really a set date yet. I'm hoping mid-September, that's my goal right now. But yeah, mid-September to very early October. So what is rehab when it comes to your knee? That's, again, different than your elbow because... You know, like your elbow, you can still walk around and you can do stuff and, and everything else, but you've had to kind of deal with still your mobility while you rehab. The knee, the knee was definitely harder because, yeah, you lost, 
you just lost so many things that you're able to do during your like daily routine. Like I couldn't walk for I don't know how long after I'd hurt it, and then after surgery, I was on crutches for two and a half weeks, and that was the worst part. I hated crutches so much. <laughs> They were so annoying. I'm, the day he told me I could get rid of them was the best day of rehab so far. <laughs> well, yeah, you crutched down to my room, and then I think your first hour class was on the complete opposite end of the school. So, um, <laughs> yeah, quite a journey. You had to time that a little bit. So, what type of exercises then do you do, you know, to get that knee back healthy again? Um, for the first couple months, it was a lot of stretches, just like. Flex, because, like, I remember the biggest thing my physical therapist told me to do was I had to be able to fire off my quad because that's what helps when you walk. And the weird thing is, is when you have ACL reconstruction like I did, you lose your, I don't know how it all works, but your mind and your quad lose, like, a connection, and you have to be able to figure out how to get that to fire off on your own. So my first four weeks was really getting the mobility back and learning how to fire off my muscles in my leg I had to relearn how to like do all that and then some basic just leg lifts it's a lot of basically stretching getting mobility back and learning to fire off different muscles okay now it's more of actual like Works out, workouts like I'm starting I progressed to squatting single leg squats I'm running now different things but it obviously it progresses as you move on right so that reteaching that's got to be the most difficult because it's been such instinctual your whole life you've never had to teach yourself like you say how to fire off of the quad and stuff like that it's just something you've always done and now you had to go back a little bit like people who maybe get a head injury and have to relearn how to um, speak or or uh, read and stuff like that too yeah it was it was really weird because I remember being in the therapy the therapy office and he told me I want you to flex your quad right now and I literally couldn't I looked at him and I said okay and I could not get it to flex I was like this is really weird and he said this is normal it took me about I don't know a week before I could like fully do it on my own and it was like it was painful at first. It was hard. I would sweat from like trying to just get it to fire off on its own, doing my like leg slides, leg lifts. It was a difficult process for the first couple of weeks, but okay, okay, I'm past all that. Now. Yeah, we've got Wyatt Grosskreutz back on the program. He is about to enter his senior year at Richland Heartland Ellendale Geneva, talking about rehabbing his torn ACL and and how that impacts and. And, you know, as an offensive lineman, too, you know, any place you're going to play on the football field or any sport, really, that your legs are so very important. But as an offensive lineman, oh, my goodness. I mean, that talking about firing off at the quad and stuff, when you're getting your three-point stance, um, that's what it's all about. I know. That was one of my biggest fears when I had first injured it is I don't know if I would ever get back to what I used to be, like, Last year I was having a good season and then I got ended by my elbow and then I had a bunch of high expectations this year and then I hurt my knee. So for a while I was really worried if I was ever going to get back to what I used to be, but I'm hopefully on track to do that. And 
yeah. like I said, you have to have that motivation to know the work I'm doing now is because I want to be able to play my last year. Right, right. And, you know, the, the thing, and for those of you who are listening who are not in our area, around the nation and so on, um, you know, Wyatt did a very rare thing. He started as a as a freshman on the varsity football team. And around here, I've been around for a while, and I don't ever recall a freshman starting on the offensive line especially, but you've had that motivation. And now are you, you know, as, as part of this, even when you were hurt last year, um, helping the younger kids, helping the other people on your team, coaching them up a little bit, the things that you've noticed out there? Oh, yeah. I I honestly, that's been one thing I've loved to do the last couple of months now. Is like When I got hurt last season, I went to every practice, every game, everything I could do to help my team get better, helping the young guys who took my spot after I got hurt, helping people who had never played before learn the offense, learn learn things they're supposed to be able to do, teach them things that I usually do that help me win one-on-ones up front. And I've done it this summer too, and we went up to camps and practices. I'm excited to do it next week when we start practice. So that's been one thing that's helped me got through it is like being able to help my team get better too. Right, right. Now you... Before we started the interview, you told me a little bit about you maybe had a, little bit, had a setback with uh, your patella and stuff. Um, talk about that and how that, how you've kind of overcome that as well. That that was the beginning of June. I remember, I remember that really well because he told me right away. It was like when I was first starting to add in like a weight room session, like my squats and stuff. And he told me he wanted me to do it about two or three days a week. Not very much, but I decided to be smart about it and schedule my therapy appointments on Fridays, and our weight room is open Monday through Thursday, so I was lifting five times a week every day. Oh, okay. And it really inflamed it, and I was, all of a sudden one day I had pain doing my workouts, and I went in and I said, I don't know what's going on. He said, well, you're doing way too much. I I had to completely not lift for almost a week and a half, two weeks wow. for it to finally go away. And that was one thing that really just frustrated me because it was like, I, I was working hard to try and get it better and I was noticing improvements and all of a sudden I hit a brick wall because I worked too hard. Right, which is which seems odd to hear, but at the same time, you know, is it like in your mind you were thinking, well, if I can if I can push myself and work a little bit harder, I can be ready to go sooner. Is that maybe part of part of how that worked? That was a hundred percent what it was. Yeah. I literally, I thought if I could work really really hard, I would get back by week one. But that's just that's not how it works. Like <laughs> he told me it, you got to let it heal too. It's still healing, and I just I, I didn't listen, and that was the biggest problem. Right. I needed to listen. Right, and it's, it is hard because you are so focused on your ability, especially your senior year, to be able to come back and play as much as possible. Um, but the reality is that the body will heal at the rate it heals, and there are some things you just can't rush when it comes to that. Yeah, and I didn't have the right mindset, but luckily I had that early and not now, so I'm able to be smart about it now. Right, right. I've been making good progress, and I learned from it. So. Yep. Yep, and and uh, you know, like you mentioned, practice starts next week. 
Uh, I know I'm excited. Uh, I, I was at the school today and, and people are kind of milling around getting things ready for sports to fire up again and eventually school of course too but uh, this is a program about sports and whenever you do return um, whenever that is it'll be it'll be very exciting but what what kind of a outlook do you see for your squad this year i see there's there there's potential to be a really good team i um we have a lot of size up front for our offensive line even without me i feel like we have a lot of talent up there we got Lucas Hanna, who's a returning starter. Um, Traven's going to be a really good offensive lineman. We got Brady and Corey will be a new guy. And a bunch of other young guys who are going to step in and play some time. And that's going to be – that's the big thing, too, is we have so we have a lot of old older kids on the offensive line who can help teach the younger kids, so, like some of the ones I just named. Makota is another one who's – going to help people get better and the thing is if you have enough people like that up front it helps develop your freshman and sophomore for when they get to their time to be able to play and we have Andrew returning at running back and Sawyer returning at wide receiver I think if everything if we can if we can execute well and play good football like we should then we're, we have the ability to be a very good well, and it does. It starts up front. You know, anybody who watches football knows that it's one in the trenches. And you talk about that size on the offensive line, and it's there. And and um, we've been talking about that, Coach Kruger and I, since he got here, and you guys were coming through middle school. I said, look at these offensive linemen <laughs> that you have, because holy cow, your class has, has some size and some ability there, like you say. And, and Andrew Phillips, who's been a guest in the show, too, tremendous running back if you give him a little bit of a hole he can make things happen yeah and i think i think it's going to be a big year for him for our team for our offensive line i think if we can if we can be a good offensive line like i know we will then we're going to be a very good team and i love how you talk about teaching the younger kids so even after you've graduated that legacy continues and panther football can still be going strong yeah, I want them to be able to do what I did for them for freshmen and sophomore and their seniors because now, like, if I'm able to help freshmen and sophomore sophomores learn the playbook now, teach them things I do, it's, it's only going to get the program stronger when we have younger kids coming up, learning from people that we've taught and they teach them, so on and so forth. And the same applies to every other position, too. If we have, like, Sawyer and Andrew, who are two um, skill position players returning, if they're teaching younger kids with things they've picked up throughout their four years, then it's just going to keep moving on like that. Same goes with defense. Uh, is a big one on the defensive line. He'll help young kids get better up there, too. It's, it's a big thing. If we can help the young kids get better... It's just going to make the program stronger in the future. Yeah, and Makota Mizgin, you mentioned him too. He's also been on the program. He was one of our state wrestling entrants this last year, and uh, and you know always working hard in the weight room too, uh, just like you are. I'm excited for football season, even though there's a couple Thursday nights in there. There's <laughs> it's a different schedule because we don't have enough officials out there. But um, I do know that uh, um, I'll be very excited for the first home football game on. I'm going to get this right. Uh, September 9th, I believe, is the first home football game in New Richland. 
And um, whether you're out there or whether we got to wait a little while, it'll it'll uh, be a lot of fun to call some Power Panther football again. Oh, I'm excited too. Yeah. I, can, I can't wait. Even even if I'm not playing, I'm so excited. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wyatt Grosskreitz is with us on the program, senior at NRHEG. Uh, we've talked about some of his rehab that he's dealt with, with his elbow, with his knee, and hopefully once he gets back on the field, um, he will can remain injury free. And uh, although you know it is, I talked joked earlier about you know knowing the weather, and it changes. Um, these are the types of things that you can rehab and you can get back to full strength, but it'll probably live with you the rest of your life. Um, you'll always have something in your knee or, or whatever as you get older. Yeah, probably. I mean, there's a chance that, like, I remember my doctor told me once that it's just, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but there's an increased chance for, like, arthritis in the joints now, right. which is, that's normal. I mean, when you yep. have an injury like that, there's a, there's always an increased chance for it. And like you said, there might be a chance it lingers around and there might be a chance I never feel it again. Hopefully I don't, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, you never know. It's uh, it's amazing to me too. When I talk to people that are medically knowledgeable uh, about things like ACLs, and when I was in school, nobody ever tore their ACL. You never heard that. Um, I guess if it happened, it was pretty rare. It happens a lot now. And you even go back to kind of to me to the turning point was when Adrian Peterson tore his ACL in the last game of the NFL season with the Vikings. Um, and he was back in action by September, and nobody could believe it. It had never been done before, and that was nine months later. And now you're talking about a potential six-month time frame. It's gotten that much better, where it used to automatically be a year, automatically, and now it's potentially six months. Yeah, um, the medical field is really advanced if you think about it. I mean, there's a lot of things that used to take how long for recovery that now only take uh, six months. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and it's good. It's wonderful because, you know, kids like you, you, you miss less of that opportunity because our, our sporting lives are very finite. You know, most of us are done playing sports when we're 18, 19, 20 years old, and you want to enjoy every moment that you can. So um, here's hoping you get back on the field sooner rather than later and can enjoy most of your senior year when it comes to that. Yeah, I, I hope so too. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to switch gears here. Um, Wyatt and I uh, tend to spend a lot of time debriefing on the Twins and the Vikings. He'll stop into visit. I don't know what I'm going to do when you graduate, Wyatt. Um, I, I won't have anybody to come down and visit me, but uh, he'll stop by my classroom. We'll talk. So we're going to spend that. We're going to take some time here in August. Pretend we're sitting in my classroom. Let's uh, let's preview the Vikings a little bit. First preseason game is this Sunday. How excited are you for the Viking season right now? Extremely. I love everything I've heard about tra- training camp so far. Everything I've heard has been amazing. They lo- I guess O'Connell's been awesome. The vibe is different. Offense and defense has looked great. I'm I'm so excited. Yeah. And, and, you know, what's interesting to me is learning new systems. And I was reading something about this new 3-4 defense that they're putting in and how it might take them a year to get that figured out. I thought, oh my goodness. But then I hear really fantastic things about how they're showing. So maybe this is a, they're going to get better as the season goes on type of thing. That's usually how it goes too. I mean, when you put in a new playbook, it takes a couple weeks before you finally start getting that flow. I mean, look at Tom Brady's first year in Tampa Bay. They didn't really hit their stride until week 12, week 13, because, and then when they did, they didn't lose another game. Yeah. 
So what you're saying is the Vikings just have to hang around the playoff picture for partway through the season and then finish strong, and here we go. Maybe. That's all it takes. Yep. I mean, <laughs> if you can, if you, if you get in, that's all, that's all it takes. Right. If you can get into the playoffs and they play good football and they start to heat up when it gets to that point, then who knows? Yeah. Uh, as an offensive lineman, have you been paying attention? Because there's some pretty important battles on the offensive line right now for starting positions. Uh, Garrett Bradbury is one that O'Connell has said uh, he's not guaranteed a starting job. Well, he's one last year who struggled throughout the season, and it's partly because he's an undersized center to begin with, but he's also just not good in pass protection, and he's not been great so far in camp, what I've read online. And I know um, they have backups like Chris Reed, who's taking reps at center, I don't know if Ed Ingram was taking a couple or not, but and yeah, I saw that Bradbury doesn't mean he's going to start. No. Yeah, and and this is his last year of his contract. He's got to be fighting for everything he can. And I kind of hope that was motivation for him. But if you can't pass protect as the center, um, listen, Kirk Cousins is as accurate as they come. If you give him a little bit of time, and you just got to give him a little bit of time. He's going to find his receivers, but if if you're diving, swimming past the center, it's no go. Exactly, and that was shown a lot last year. Bradbury would get forklifted off the line, it seemed like, <laughs> and they'd get shoved right back into Kirk. And the center position is probably one of the most important on the offensive line because if you have a very good center, it is like the, the – the quarterback of the offensive line. They make the calls. They do everything up there. They have to make sure everyone knows their assignments. But if you're up there and getting blown off the line, it's just not good because the quickest route to the quarterback is the A-gaps. And the center, most of the time, is responsible for those gaps. Right. And that's why, you know, like on the other side for the Vikings, those interior defensive linemen are so important, too, because on the other hand, you have to put pressure on the other team's quarterback. If you don't give Aaron Rodgers time to throw... Well, then you have success. Yeah, and well, at, throughout the last couple of years when the Vikings have played Aaron Rodgers, and when they beat Aaron Rodgers, what's the common theme? They sack him a bunch. Yep, yep, yeah. Uh, there's also the right guard position for the Vikings, which is really up in the air, and there are about three different guys that have a shot at that right now. Yeah, I think it's Chris Reed, Ole Udo, and Ed Ingram. I've heard a lot of really good things about Ed Ingram. Obviously, I'm not like an NFL insider. Right. <laughs> this is going off of stuff I've read. But I like Ed Ingram when we drafted him. He's, seen, he's a big guy. He played guard at, well, I think it was LSU or something. I think so, he, he yeah. He played really good guard. He's got, I think he's a pretty strong guy, too, in the run game. He looks pretty quick for an offensive lineman. I like Ed Ingram. Yeah. The, my only thing, I mean, as a rookie, he might have to grow into the role. He might see a little bit of shifting there, um, but but who knows? It, it's really with a first-time head coach too. One never knows uh, <laughs> what what's going to happen. And, and you want to talk about a new playbook? I can imagine we're going to see plays and formations this year we've never dreamed of as Vikings fans. Probably, yeah. It's uh, um, uh, it's it's exciting because the last eight years has been defense, defense, defense. Now I get the switch to. Uh, Track and field type offense, <laughs> score 40 points a game. Let's hope so because, in reality, um, you know, the defense will be, we hope, I, I'd hope for an average defense. 
compared to the way it's been. And if you have an average defense and you can score 30 points a game, uh, you're going to win a lot of football games. Oh, yeah. Well, I saw a stat the other day that said if the Vikings had won every game that was like decided by one possession, they would have been 15-2 and two last yeah, year. Yeah, right, yeah. And how often did they give up a touchdown in the last two minutes of the um, first half or second half? It was often. Yeah. And that's because of the defense. They couldn't get off the field. So if you can have an average defense like you said, you're going to win football games this year because the offense is just too good to not win football games. Right. They said it like an all-time NFL record, the number of games that were decided by one score or less. It, it was, well, I don't know the exact number, yeah, but it was... It was so unreal. And, and you think, okay, you're not going to win every game like that. It's just not going to happen. But the, the amount that they lost, you know, the Detroit Lions springs to mind um, on the last play of the game and things like that. <laughs> you just go, oh, my goodness. Uh, I've talked to a couple other people on the show here, and and everybody I've talked to has landed somewhere around 10 or 11 wins for this team. What have you thought about a win total? What's possible? I always have to remind myself there's 17 games now, but um, 10 and 7, 11 and 6 seem realistic. Yeah, I think it is. If their their floor is probably nine and eight, like if if the worst case scenario happens that they just don't play great football, the team's too good to not have a to have a bad season. I see them winning at least nine games, and if everything goes the way it should, they have the ability to win 13 games. But realistically, yeah, I'd say 10-11. Yeah. I, I, I look and think that the division is a little bit up for grabs. I mean, the Packers are the favorites. They always will be when Aaron Rodgers is there. But removing Devontae Adams, I think, is a big, big part um, to the potential downfall because who's he going to throw the ball to? You know, that, that's a big part of that. But, again, he's still Aaron Rodgers, and he can make other people look good. Yeah, and Rodgers has had a history of not trusting young receivers to begin with. So who knows how that's going to play out in Green Bay. I do like the fact that we have them week one because they have never seen our new offensive defense, so they're going to come out guessing, and we know what they run. So. Right, yeah, that's true. That's very true. So September 11th will be a... An exciting day when we sit down. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to watch in the preseason here too and see, um, you know, how much they show, how much some of these guys get time out there. Because again, with new new playbooks on both sides, do you have to give your starters a little more time to get used to it without giving away too much of it? I would assume so. Yeah, I do know. When Kevin O'Connell was in L.A., Sean McVay does not play his starters during the preseason. He didn't last year. I don't know how much he will this year because of the fact that it is a new playbook. Um, I think they should get a couple drives the first game, a couple drives the second game. I don't want them to completely not play right. because they do need to have reps of this offense. Yeah. But like, I also don't want them playing the entire first half. No, and it's a good opportunity. I've heard a lot of good things, as I'm sure you have, about Kellen Mond in training camp, how he's really stepped up and maybe has a little more confidence with this coaching staff. I I hope so. I mean, I, I haven't heard too much about him, but I've heard he's shown up and he's, he looks like he's gotten better. He throws farther, and he actually has a coaching staff that wants him to succeed, and they like he, he's growing under an offensive coach. Zimmer last year 
if you look at all those draft picks last year, he really didn't give them much chances to succeed because he was so focused on his veterans. And I think at that point, Zimmer kind of knew he was done and he just right. didn't really care that much anymore. Yeah, that could be. Well, and I always say Kirk Cousins has been very resilient, but you just never know. And as we saw last year, Sean Mannion is not your answer as a backup. Um, and eventually Cousins will be gone, and you need so you'd like to grow somebody into that role, and hopefully, maybe that'll be Kellen Mond. Yeah, I I do know that Kirk is one of the quarterbacks in the NFL that you can rely on to not get injured. He's usually on the field for sixteen games, seventeen games, and um, the problem is, is that's it's hard to do that every year. And right. if he were to go down for a month with something, I don't know, I hope I didn't put that out there, but I really, if he <laughs> were to go down, then you need to have someone to be able to come in and play. And like we saw last year, Mannion is not that guy. Yeah. Let's switch gears. we got Wyatt Grosskreutz joining us again this week. We've talked about rehabbing injuries, talked about Vikings. And speaking of injuries, let's talk about the Minnesota Twins. Uh, I was reading something this last week that they have – lost the second most amount of games to injuries this year of any team in Major League Baseball. And they're still in first place. Yeah, I don't know how much of it is because the division is terrible or because we are just that good of a team. I think it's a mix because this team has... They're, they're, a, good, they're a good team when everyone's healthy. It's just how often have we seen this entire lineup healthy this season? Well, and we haven't. And that's the thing is you wonder what... First of all, you wonder what kind of roster decisions they'd have to make if everybody was healthy. And uh, with Alex Kirilov going out for the rest of the year, we know that won't happen. But, um, you know, the depth of this organization has kind of held them above water now when you can suddenly bring up a Jake Cave who hasn't played in the big leagues all year, and he contributes right away. Yeah, he was he was really good in that Toronto series. Um Guys like him, Tim Beckham hasn't been too bad. He's been pretty decent defensively. Uh, Kepler's back now, but he's playing with a fractured toe. Jose Miranda, someone who all of a sudden has turned into a budding star, it seems like. Yeah. Writing him off the beginning of the year, and now he's out here, what, 12 home runs, 49 RBIs? He's, He's proven to be an everyday player, and then you have other people that come off the bench and contribute. They added Tyler Molly to the rotation. They added bullpen pieces. This team can be good. It's just we need to be able to see a healthy lineup out there. Well, and you know the thing when you think about the hated New York Yankees, um, they've been relatively healthy all year, and suddenly they have a few injuries, and then they went into a five-game losing streak, which is unheard of in New York. Uh, but it, it is. It's all about having your best guys out there. And the fact is, with the Twins, they're never going to be fully healthy because Byron Buxton is fighting this knee injury. Um, and to to his credit, and the Twins, they've played it pretty well where I think he's gotten the maximum amount of games, probably more than people anticipated so far. Yeah. The way they've dealt with Buxton, I know some people don't like it, how he plays two out of every three games, one as a DH, one as a center fielder. Sometimes he doesn't play it. I think that what they've done with him has been fine because, I mean, They've had to drain his knee two different times. Anyone who has to go through that in a season and is able to play within days is not someone who wants to sit out. They're making him sit out. And he's, and that's for, obviously for good reasons. His knee is obviously a problem, and he's playing through it, and he's still putting up good numbers. 
So yeah. the way they've dealt with it has been fine by me because when he can play, he's one of the best in baseball. Right. And the way I've been reading it too, what Rocco says is, you know, there are days he doesn't know his lineup until like Byron shows up and says, I, I can't go today. I just can't. You know, like he feels bad, but he also recognizes the long view of it'd be more important for Byron Buxton to be healthy in October than it is in yeah. July and August. I would way rather have a Buxton for that first round of the playoffs than a three-game set against the Royals. Right. Because the first round of the playoffs is a three-game series all at the home site. So, like, if the Twins win the division, they'll have a home series. They'll have three games all at home against whoever it would happen to be. Seattle, Toronto, Tampa Bay, you know, whoever's in that mix. But well, you still Baltimore is now too. Yeah, I know. You got to watch out for Baltimore. But of course, they traded some of their most important. We'll take their closer because that's got to have been. I can't imagine your frustration watching the Twins blow lead after lead this season um, with that horrible bullpen that they had. Oh, it was it was frustrating. <laughs> I and the worst part was is you knew what the problem was and they kept throwing them out there and it was Pagan. I don't know how many times he needed to be thrown in the ninth inning before the front office and Rocco realized he is not our closer. Yeah. Ron should have been the closer. Yeah. I, and now you you have Lopez, who um, Rocco has said ninth inning, that's what he's used to. I'm going to put him out there most of the time there. And having Duran in the eighth inning, that's a one-two punch that is going to be very, very successful. But were you surprised when... First, Joe Smith, and then Tyler Duffy got DFA'd. Uh, Joe Smith kind of surprised me. I didn't think they were going to DFA him just because um, he was somewhat turning it around. But at the same time, it really didn't surprise me because he had been awful yeah. like, for the last three months. Duffy, no. I I figured they were going to at some point. He has been awful this year. He, every time you send him out there, it seems like he is like a three-run bomb. Yeah. Well, and part of me, the conspiratorial side of me, says the Pagan's only on this team yet because they don't want to admit that they made a bad trade with Taylor Rogers. They want to keep him around and hope that suddenly he figures it out. That trade right now is looking <laughs> so bad for the Twins. Of course, Rogers, I, Rogers is in I Milwaukee think, now. Yeah, but. He's, Rogers has been amazing. He's what is he in Milwaukee now? Yeah. Well, he had I think he had 28 saves in San Diego, but he he had kind of been on the outs. He had been taken out of the closers role there um, for for about a week before they traded him, uh, and then of course they get Josh Hader. So <laughs> I mean it's yeah. it's unreal. But I feel a lot more confident in the bullpen now um, with with those guys at the back end. Griffin Jacks pitching well. Uh, Fulmer. Now in the mix too, he had to be excited to walk across Target Field and go to a winning dugout. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> so. that was kind of funny. I forgot they were playing Detroit when they made the trade for him. So. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, well, Wyatt, uh, best of luck as you continue your rehab. Um, I'm sure I'll be over at school and and wander out toward the football field, and and we'll see as the school year begins and and talk Vikings, talk Twins and uh, everything else in between when it comes to the world of sports. Thanks for joining the program again. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. It's always a good time talking sports with you. Sounds good. Talk to you later. It's always good to talk to Wyatt, and we were chatting a little bit off the air. 
and uh, talked about adding a segment when the Vikings start playing regular season games each week. Might call it Wisdom with Wyatt or something along those lines. Uh, he usually pops into my classroom to debrief about the Vikings game anyway. I said, let's make that a part of the program each week. So uh, come Viking season, you can plan on having Wyatt Grosskreitz join the program each week, and we will uh, break down the Vikings game. So look forward to that coming up. And now it's time for the State of Minnesota Sports. Minnesota Lynx still have a chance at the playoffs. Uh, three games remaining. As you listen to this on Wednesday night, they're getting ready for a game. It won't be until 9 o'clock Central Standard Time. And uh, they're there. They're a game out. They won the game that Lucas Seehofer and I talked about last week. They had to win. They had to beat Atlanta. And it helped that Nafisa Collier's return came right when it needed to. She's a, a new mother and and um, has come back to play and, and look pretty good in limited time, but added that spark that the team needed uh, to beat the Atlanta Dream. So they're a game behind um, Phoenix and Atlanta, and they have the tiebreaker over both those teams. Lucas had mentioned that as well. And, and the thing is they, they play Phoenix. That's an important game, have to win that. But they also play Seattle and Connecticut, two really good teams battling for um, top playoffs seeds. In my mind, you have to win at least one of those. You have to go 2-1 and one the rest of the way to have a chance. Uh, if you do that, all these tiebreakers could come into effect. But uh, even the Liberty, who are right behind the Lynx, the Lynx won the season series with them. Um, so that's really important and could come into play, and um, things should be shaped up by next week. But there's a chip and a chair for the Lynx to try to extend that postseason run. I think the last time they were not in the postseason was 2010, the first year of Target Field. So imagine that. It's been a long time, if you think about that. The uh, the Vikings training camp, as Wyatt and I were talking about a little bit, really exciting, some good things, positive things coming out of there. Um, outside of the Irv Smith Jr. injury, um, not a lot of injury concerns yet. And, uh, again, they play at, I think it's 325 on Sunday afternoon uh, against Las Vegas. So it'll be fun to watch professional football with our purple and gold out in the field once again. You know, we Wyatt and I talked a little bit about the offensive line and some of the battles there, uh, but there's a lot of other, you know, battles going on. And it's not necessarily for starting positions, but guys who are backing up at different spots. Um, although some are some of the starting positions, you know, Andrew Booth Jr., Caleb Evans, uh, Lewis Sign have all looked really good as they come in here as rookies. And, and you wonder how much time they'll get and uh, if they'll be starters. But I, I just, the way they've been playing so far and, and the way the coaches talk about them, I think we're going to see plenty of them uh, if you follow Caleb Evans on Twitter, it's it's entertaining. Uh, he's on there quite frequently uh, trying to get people pumped up. He's excited to be a Viking, and it's fun to follow him. Check that out uh, if you are on Twitter and get a chance. Um, you know, another th- name that we haven't really talked about a lot um, throughout the summer is Jordan Hicks, a uh, free agent linebacker that they picked up. And I just have a feeling he's going to be one of those guys who steps right in and does a tremendous job. Um, to start as long as he uh, remains healthy. It'll probably be him and Eric Kendricks, uh, Brian Asamoah, um, that are kind of in that that area and the linebacker things. And, of course, Eric Kendricks has been so solid for so long. 
Um, you know, they have they have a lot of options when it comes to that. Again, the, the coaches reiterated Greg Joseph is your kicker for the Vikings, and they feel really good. He's been kicking well in practice, um, nailing 50-yard field goals. And, you know, here's a guy who bounced around a little bit before he came to the Vikings, and goodness knows Vikings fans could use a little bit of uh, solidity there at the kicking position. Uh, Jordan Berry, who I thought did a nice job as well uh, as the punter last year, um, you know, no, seems to be locked in as punter too. They for both those guys, they have brought in some competition, and that's always a good thing. It helps push you a little bit. Um, and, but they've kind of locked that in, and that's so important. Those are the things that win and lose ball games. Sometimes there's so many close games last year. Um, and they do that. Another name that we haven't really talked about a whole lot here, but it's really important, Zadarius Smith, who they picked up, and former Packer, and he's got to be eyeing and salivating week one uh, against the Green Bay Packers. And you know he's got his motor revving for that one to go after Aaron Rodgers. And again, health plays such an issue. Zadarius Smith, Daniil Hunter, you know, these are guys who have been hurt so much. And boy, if they get hurt, who steps up? Patrick Jones. Janarius Robinson, DJ Wanham. You know, these are all guys you're going to need to, to have. Um, Wanham led the Vikings in sacks in 2021. So, uh, granted, it wasn't a huge number, but he's capable of getting there. And again, if, if these guys have some injury concerns, if you have some um, confidence in these other guys to come and play some snaps and give them a break when they need it, boy, that goes a long way too um, toward helping that. So, that depth, you know, that we talk about. Um, a lot when we talk about the Twins that has kind of kept them afloat. Um, that's going to be really important for the Vikings when you have a 53-man roster. you got to really be really careful and cautious with each and every spot. And it changes from week to week depending on injuries, but you got to have guys who can play multiple positions and back up and come in if a guy gets hurt early in a ball game and feel very confident in their ability to do so. Let's finish up talking about the Twins um, as you are listening to this, uh, they will have um, they're, they're out in that West Coast swing against the Dodgers. Um, I'm recording on Tuesday. They haven't started their game yet. Tough, tough stretch of games here um, against the Dodgers. The, the positive is we've got our, our two of our three best starters going out there in Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray. And, uh, and then we'll have Tyler Molly be able to come in in the first game against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And uh, meanwhile, the Dodgers do not have their very best, but they're still the Los Angeles Dodgers, one of the very best teams in Major League Baseball. And if I look at this five-game road trip and I say two against the Dodgers, three against the Angels, and I think if you win three out of five, uh, that's a pretty successful road trip. The West Coast is not usually kind to the Minnesota Twins, and you want to have that. You want to have split with the Dodgers, two out of three, with the Angels. And again, with the Guardians and the White Sox nipping at their heels, um, it's very possible by the time you listen to this that the Twins could be in a tie for first place or possibly have dropped into second place. Um, we'll see. Uh, I have a feeling that by the time they come back home to play the Kansas City Royals next Monday, um, they'll either be tied or they'll have regained that that lead into first place. It's going to be that way the rest of this season. Um, nobody's going to jump out and go on a big run. It'd be nice if the Twins could do that. Um, but it seems like all these teams can't stay healthy enough and or don't necessarily have the talent. Really, 
I mean, the White Sox have the talent. They just haven't been able to put things together. But the Twins have shown that talent. And as Wyatt and I were talking about a little bit, boy, if you could have people healthy all at the same time and make things go, but that's just not the reality of professional sports in a 162-game season. Um, it's really, to me, continues to be about how long can these starting pitchers go. And they seem bound and determined that they're going to pull the starters the third time through the lineup. Well, you hope they've gotten through five innings. But that's not going to be reality sometimes. We'll see how Tyler Molly fits into all that as well. Um, you know, some tough games, some, you know, splitting with the Toronto Blue Jays wasn't terrible last week, but you really felt like you had a chance to take three out of four. They won the season series, which is really good, um, but kind of had one taken away from them. It's a tough thing. We could rehash the whole uh, blocking home plate and all that that Gary Sanchez went through, but you've probably read enough about that and listened to that enough. It's time to move on. You just hope that doesn't play a, a role down the stretch. And the reality is that doesn't mean the Twins are going to win that game if that doesn't happen. It's not as if that was the last out and the Twins had a one-run lead and it's over. Um, they still would have had a score run and a lot of things could have happened. So um, can't always put that blame. You also have to be able to score more than a couple runs in a game sometimes um, and they don't face that sort of a situation. So we'll see. Uh, when you come back here, the Twins will be uh, in the midst of the Kansas City Royals series and um, hopefully still in first place. And that's the state of Minnesota sports. And now it's time for This Week in Minnesota Sports History. On August 10th in 1971, Harmon Killebrew hit home runs number 500 and 501, the 10th player to reach the 500 home run mark. However, the Twins lost to Baltimore 4-3 in 10 innings. On August 10th in 1981, play resumed. After the strike ended, the Twins beat the first place Oakland A's 6-2. On August 10th in 1990, the Twins' first ever manager, Cookie Lavaghetto died at the age of 77. And in 2011, on August 10th, the Twins beat Boston 5-2, and Joe Nathan recorded his 255th career save, a new Twins record. On August 11th, in 2014, the Twins traded Josh Willingham to Kansas City for some player who never made it to the big leagues. Willingham had some good years for the Twins roaming the outfield and hitting the ball well. In 2015, on August 11th, all 15 home teams won their games, a f the first time that ever happened in Major League Baseball history, and that included a Twins 4-3 walk-off win over the Texas Rangers. On August 12th in 1984, Harmon Killebrew was inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. He was a fourth ballot inductee. In 1994, on August 12th, the Major League Baseball players went on strike, which led to the cancellation of the rest of the season, and as we mentioned last week, the end of Kent Herbeck's career. In 2000, on August 12th, the Twins celebrated 40 years as a team, and they inducted Harmon Kilbrew, Rod Carew, Tony Oliva, Kirby Puckett, Ken Herbeck, and Calvin Griffith as the first members of their team Hall of Fame. On August 13th in 1986, the Twins traded Ron Davis to the Cubs and got back George Frazier. Davis, of course, was an Emilio Pagan-type closer for the Twins back in the day, but George Frazier was a good reliever on the 87 World Series championship team. In 1995, on August 13th, the Twins retired Ken Herbeck's number 14, but the Twins lost 2-1 to to the Angels. On August 14th in 2014, Rob Manfred was elected Commissioner of Baseball unanimously by the owners. Not a lot of people are big fans of Mr. Manfred, but he does have an important job, and 
They all wanted him to do it. In 2021, on August 14th, the Twins celebrated the 30th anniversary of the 1991 World Series team, plus the Twins beat Tampa Bay 12 to nothing. On August 15th in 1993, the Twins traded Mike Pagliarulo to the Orioles. Pagliarulo, of course, was one of the third basemen on the 91 World Series championship team. In 1994, on August 15th, Pat Mahomes, a pitcher for the Twins, was rushed to the hospital after rolling his Jeep in a potential DUI incident. Pat Mahomes, of course, the father of Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. In 2011, on August 15th, the Twins traded Delman Young to Detroit, who they happened to be playing. Young then hit a home run in his first at-bat against Francisco Liriano, but Jim Tomei hit home runs number 599 and 600 for a 9-6 Twins win. Tomei was number 9 to reach 600 home runs in his career. On August 15th in 2020, the first-ever doubleheader featuring seven-inning games was played at Target Field. The Twins split with Kansas City. That, of course, was a result of the pandemic-shortened season. On August 16th in 1975, the Twins beat Cleveland 9-1, and all nine batters had at least two hits, a Major League Baseball first. For our local New Richland, Heartland, Ellendale, Geneva fans, it's been a few months since I've been able to talk about that. Fall sports practices start August 15th. Football, volleyball, cross country, they'll all be firing up, and that's good news. That means that soon we can talk about Panther Sports once again. Well, that will do it for another helping of waffles here at 365sportscast.com. I'm glad you tuned in, decided to spend an hour with me, and I hope you'll continue to tune in each and every week right here at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central, Wednesday nights. If you can't catch the original broadcast, each week's episode will replay every evening at that same time. Shows also archived to Spotify and YouTube. You can check out all of our previous episodes there. Remember, if you have thoughts, if you think you might make a good interview, email me, waffleflipper22 at gmail.com, or message me on Twitter, at MrD1973. Next week, we'll come back and talk more about Minnesota sports. Will the Twins be able to increase their lead in the American League Central? What will be our reactions after the very first Vikings preseason game Come on back and find out. I'll have another special guest to delve into all that and more. Thanks again for joining me. This is Mark Domeyer signing off with Syrup.